welcome to another episode of the PonderCast with your host, me, Joanna Ponder. I am so excited that you are listening to this episode. Uh, it's it's a very special one for me. It's the first time that I am doing a Skype interview with one of my oldest and bestest friends, Marcia Nunes, who lives in New York City. So I have no idea how that's going to go. I've never used... <laughs> Skype technology to record a phone call and have an interview with someone. So please excuse me if it sounds a bit awkward at times or if the sound cuts off. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess I'm apologizing beforehand because that's something I do. Um, Okay. Enough about my, (laughs) my insecurity. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about Marcia and um, why I wanted her on the podcast. So Marcia, apart from being my oldest friend, I really think she is like one of my oldest friends. Um, She, uh, her and I were best friends in high school and uh, people used to say we were very similar. We were like sisters or we looked like each other Um, and we were both very into theater, like very into theater. And, um, I think there was one point where she, uh, at the end of high school, we wrote, we had to like write each other letters and, uh, she had written something about us both winning an Oscar at the same time, uh, <laughs> which I think is really cute. Uh, however, neither one of us is really, well, maybe she is more than I am because she is a film producer. Yeah, this introduction is kind of going all over the place. So Marcia is a film producer for independent films, I believe, in New York City. Uh, she, That's what she does. Um, so I'm really interested in hearing how she started that because I remember when I heard that she was producing that actually to me, I was like, oh, that's a different direction that I didn't expect you to go in. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to hear how she got into producing. And uh, the other thing I really, really, really want to talk to her about is motherhood because she has a beautiful daughter and, yeah, and she's got a second one on the way. So how does she combine, how does she combine living in New York City of all places, being a film producer, having a child, another one on the way, and being a wife how do you do that on a daily basis? That's kind of what I hope to get into the conversation with her. And I hope that, um, I always have lots of hopes. <laughs> I hope that you guys really, um, that you guys enjoy this chat. So here it is. This is Marcia pondering it up on the PonderCast. technological heights I know I know yeah yeah so for everyone listening this is Marcia but Marcia is not sitting in front of me she's actually on the other side of the world in New York City yeah 
<laughs> I have been listening to all the other people and I've been really jealous because everyone's like, oh, I'm here in front of you and this is great and lovely. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be there. No, I know. But maybe someday we'll be able to make a an episode live in person with each other. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Uh, so um i know it's early i don't know i mean i know it's earlier for you it's three o'clock for me i think it's the morning for you yeah it's yeah, nine nine <laughs> so good morning good morning um yeah um what i wanted to talk to you about is we actually know each other very very long and yeah, yeah we went to high school together and when we were in high school, we both dreamt of becoming actors. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, I actually still remember what you wrote in my yearbook, I think senior year. Or in your, um, like, you know that little letter that we all wrote? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you wrote something about we would be the first to tie for an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. In fact, I'm sitting in my office Mm -hmm. where my bookshelf is with my yearbook on it so I can pull it up. Can you pull it up? In fact, and tell you verbatim, I said, yes. Um, <laughs> I said they were the first people to ever tie for an Oscar in a movie about the Beatles. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yes. So we're obviously clearly on our way to that. Um, <laughs> clearly. Clearly. No, but <clears throat> what I am. Only one of us is pursuing acting. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, not really either, you know. I'm I'm taking a very, very, very long way around to it. You, however, live in New York, said before. Uh, and how did you end up living in New York from Rio? Uh, well, that was quite simple because <laughs> I just came for college mm-hmm. after high school. I went to Barnard College, um, mm-hmm. which is a women's college here in New York City, and I never left. <laughs> so I've been here for 14 years. Holy moly. Yeah. It's been 14 years? It's been 14 years since, since I came, yeah. Wow. So it's been 16 years since we met. Yes. Wow. That's crazy. That's half my life. Yeah. No, that's not. That's, I know. That's crazy. It is. It's half our That's lives. half our lives, yeah. Yeah. And what did you yes. study at Barnard? At Barnard, I studied English. Uh, my major was English. Mm-hmm. And I had film and theater concentrations, since at that point I was still all into acting and such. And then I had a minor in psychology oh. because my parents thought I needed something useful as a backup (laughs) (laughs) it's always the parents not that minors are even (laughs) worth anything I mean I think a minor was invented so kids can tell their parents okay this is something useful yeah (laughs) 
But now what you do is you're a producer. Well, actually, you've also worked at Google. Yeah. You've done a lot of things. Now I'm a producer. But now you're a producer. Google was a a random uh, interlude. (laughs) (laughs) A random interlude in my life um, that I did when I first started producing also. And how did you get into producing? Because that's awesome. He is pretty awesome. Um, well, when I when I was all the way back still in college, I took a class called History of the Producer, mm-hmm. which, you know, before that, I think I thought that the producer was just like the money person mm-hmm. um, or like the suit. You know, there's like this idea that the producer like is just this voice on the telephone that's like oh put more car chases or something (laughs) yeah um and then this class kind of started at the very beginning of the film industry and went through kind of the role of the producer and different famous producers and how they've had their impact on all of their films and then um I could see from that class how a producer can have just as much of a voice kind of throughout their career as a director in Mm -hmm. a way that a producer can, um, in choosing, you know, the producer kind of picks what projects they bring to life, Mm -hmm. um, and that the producer isn't, you know, in some cases, yeah, the producer also has to bring um, financing, but also, you know, the producer is the person that figures out how to make this idea mm-hmm. of the screenplay and the director and everything. The producer is the person that really kind of takes the idea and says, okay, this is how we're going to make it real. So anything, um, that has to do with that transformation is kind of in the purview of the producer. And so, yeah, I realized through this class that uh, the producer has a really fun job actually. Mm -hmm. And I was really interested in it and I thought, okay, cool. This is what I want to be. But, you know, obviously the money part is, especially in like independent film, which is mainly where I work, not studio movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the producer is also responsible mostly for for getting the financing. So I thought, okay, well, before I can convince people to give me like a million dollars to make a movie, I need <laughs> to have some experience in the film world anyway. Um, so then I spent, you know, my years after college working in various different parts of film. I did PR Mm. and I did, uh, development, which is what it's called when you like read scripts and give notes and stuff. And I did sales, um, Mm. which is selling independent movies to foreign distributors. Mm. And finally, after doing that for about four years, I didn't want to do sales anymore. Mm -hmm. And I thought, but I thought I still needed more experience. Like I didn't think I was ready to produce Mm. 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's 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 sit with that one for a second because <laughs> I I have that a lot where I'm like, oh, I'm not ready to do something. Like even with this podcast, I'm just kind of like, I mean, I'm just figuring it out as I go along. Um, but how do you? How do you? Well, I'm, well, I know that you got over it because eventually you did start producing and maybe that you were going to get to that part next in your story. But how do you make sure that that doesn't paralyze you into not doing something? Because that paralyzes me in terms of theater. I'm always thinking, you know what? I don't have enough experience yet. So let's not let's not do anything with it. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I think it, it is really paralyzing. Mm. Um, I... Well, I don't think I had ever. That's an interesting question, because I think um, I don't think I had ever up until that point in my life made the conscious choice to ignore that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I hadn't made the conscious choice. It was only after that that I started making that choice. So but you... I think up until then, mm. everything and, and, and everything I did, like even starting to sell movies, I was like, I had thought that was so cool and, and interesting when I started working for that company. Um, and I was like, oh, the idea of like selling movies to foreign distributors, that's like, you know, I like to work with people and talk to people and movies and go to all these like festivals and markets. And that sounds awesome. And it sounded like very cool, but when it was actually time for me to do it by myself for the Mm. first time, I was totally paralyzed with fear. And I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. Like, what? Now you're just sending me. My first trip was by myself to Colombia. And there, you know, now I realize it was so low stakes, obviously, (laughs) for the company. Like, they weren't paying for it. The Colombian government was paying for it Mm -hmm. since it was like part of their effort to bring more people down. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like there was literally nothing to lose. Obviously, there were no stakes for them. (laughs) But in my head, I was like, what? you're sending me to a country on my own to talk to buyers on my own and make a sale on my own. And I've never done this before. And that's crazy. (laughs) Um, but you know, you kind I did it because I, I, I guess once I'm in that position where I'm like, I am doing it, there's no way back. Then this kind of, uh, competitive spirit comes out in me where I'm like, oh, no, I can't fail, Mm. Uh, which is actually really not healthy because (laughs) failure is a good thing and we should all embrace failure. But I have problems with that. So (laughs) for me, this competitive spirit comes out and says, no, I can't fail. And then I kind of just like power through. And and I made, I mean, that first sale was a really shitty sale. So, um, but it was fine. It worked out in it the end. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got better. <laughs> I became a good salesperson eventually. Um, but then, yeah, but with the producing, I did think I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely, I wasn't what I wanted, which is how I ended up having my little interlude at Google, mm. um, was, you know, I had quit this company because I didn't feel like I wanted to do sales anymore. I felt like I'd learned everything I could from sales and, and from that company specifically, which was kind of a smallish company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I left 
there, but I felt like what I really needed was to work at a really big company. And only then would people <laughs> kind of take me seriously enough that I could produce. Mm. Um, and so when I left, that was my plan. And I was like applying for jobs like a crazy person. Um, and obviously, like, I think Google was the dream at the time for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of before I got the Google job, so I left the company in February of 2012. Um, and, you know, very quickly after that, like a month or two after that, I had met with a former professor of mine from my grad school at NYU. Mm -hmm. And I told him, you know, I'm not doing sales anymore. I want to work for a big company. Um, he had like, you know, connections or whatever. I asked him if he knew anyone that was looking and he was like, no, but I'll keep an eye out. But meanwhile, I have these other former students who are making a movie in Colombia and you're Brazilian. So it's the same thing <laughs> and you should just produce it. <laughs> It's not the same thing, everyone. Yeah. Classic American. Right? <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, but, you know, so then I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm ready, but I'll meet them and give them advice or something. And <laughs> so we met and I gave them some advice. I hadn't read the script or anything yet, but... Um, you know, they told me the story and they showed me some pictures from when the director had gone on a research trip mm -hmm. and it all looked really cool. And I gave them a little bit of advice and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'll read the script and then we can meet up again and I'll give you anything else. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting um, that my first sales trip was to Colombia and then this movie was also yeah. Colombia. So I was like, I randomly had... <laughs> in fact all these connections in Colombia already um so I read the script and I was getting ready to go meet them and give them a bunch of advice mm. and then I realized um or I think maybe Diego my husband pointed out to me that if I just took the advice instead of giving it that mm. I could produce it um mm. And I was like, oh, huh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so maybe, maybe I can do this, or at least I can do it as much as anyone else can in this situation. So maybe this is where I go for it. Right. Um, so that, yeah, I think that's the first time that I ever actually, like, made that decision. To produce. Right. To, yeah, yeah, to yeah. produce, but also to, like say oh maybe I'm not ready but I'm gonna go for it yeah. anyway yeah. kind of thing um and I do think you know that's very much I can't remember now like the conversations with Diego but that's like his whole ethos is about that so I think um having someone in my life who encourages me to take a leap like that mm. is really 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 important because mm. I just wasn't trained yeah. on that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I did, and then I was like, oh, well, I did it once. Um, let's just keep doing that. 
Yeah. Okay. But, hmm. So what I'm hu not hung up about, but I guess that's the word I'm going to use because I've just said it, um, mm -hmm. is uh, you, you had a clear uh, vision of what you wanted to do. And that happened while you were in college because you took these classes and then you realized, hey, producing, I really like to do that. What can I do to get there? Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if like my decisions then to like do everything I did. I, I don't know if I was consciously being like, oh, I should like PR definitely had nothing to do with producing. I think mm. it's, you know, part of it was like, oh, I have this job that I can do. <laughs> um, so, you know, part of it is just like opportunistically taking work where you can find it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, I wanted to produce. I knew I wanted to like get more experience in film first. And then while I was working at this company doing development and then sales and stuff, I was obviously working with a lot of producers and that just kind of underscored like, oh yeah, what you do, that is what I want to do. Like right. everything you're doing is what I want to do. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, it kept reinforcing it more and more and more. Mm -hmm. When I asked you to do the podcast, you wrote me back and said, I don't know how much input I'm going to have because I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. Meaning, or from what I made it, uh, what it sounded like to me is that, you know, my, my podcast is all about, or I started because I don't know <laughs> what to do with my life and where to go. And so when you wrote back and said, but I don't really know how much input I'm going to have because I'm kind of in the same boat. I mm. assume that it meant you might be in a bit of a crisis as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I would call it a crisis, mm -hmm. um, maybe a crossroads, mm -hmm. a, an entanglement. Oh, um, but yes, so basically, uh, I have I have a baby. Yes, you uh, do. I have a kid. She's two. Yes, she is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she's wonderful, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, life changes rapidly <laughs> yeah. uh when you have a kid and and you know for me well so I guess there's like some basic realities to explain and deal with also just for clarity's sake is like you know producing independent film does not pay very much mm. <laughs> it's uh you know like you're not really getting a salary because you're getting a fee for the movie, but a movie right. can take, you know, that first movie, the Columbia movie was actually very fast for yeah. a film. So like kind of, I started in April, 2012, we were filming 
by May 2013, festival by April 2014, and then commercial release 2015. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying like start to finish three years. That's so super fast. Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, like for that, like you don't get paid. You're definitely not getting paid three years worth of salaries for that. You know, I was not even really paid one year's worth of salary for that. Like a half a year's worth of salary for three years of work. basically. Um, And then, you know, the movie I joined after that, which was right when I got pregnant, I was developing for three years before we got the financing, Mm. Um, at which point I only got paid like a little bit of my fee. You know, for that one, I would have been paid basically one year's worth of salary for likely five years of work. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's getting slightly better than half a year's of salary for three years of work. Um, but, you know, basically the way the way that you have to do it, from what I gather, if you want to make a living as an independent producer is you have to work on more than one movie at the same time, mm. um, which wasn't possible for me during the first movie because I, that's when I started working at Google. So I did spend those two of those years working at Google and making like real money. money yeah. Um, like a good, good money actually. That's yeah. Google. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when I got pregnant or when I had the baby, actually, that's when I was like, well, I can't, cause it was really hard. And that's why I could only work on one movie at a time because I had a, like a very demanding full-time job already. Yeah. So to have a full-time job and do one movie is possible. Yeah. Um, to have a full-time job and have a kid yeah. is possible. Um, but I realized, you know, when I had my kid, I can't keep working at Google for the money, like a day job, mm-hmm. plus have a kid, plus try mm-hmm. to make a movie. Right. Um, so, you know, again, I had to take a leap of faith and be like, okay, well, I'm going to invest in my kid and invest. Good investment. <laughs> in my dream. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, luckily I have a very supportive partner who is all about kind of entrepreneurship and Mm -hmm. taking risks and he agreed and kind of you know took up the brunt of the uh breadwinning pressure I guess Mm -hmm. so that we could live like this um but then you know when you're what that also means that we don't have the kid in daycare or anything kind of like full-time like that so we have a sitter that comes, um, now she comes three times a week. She used to just come twice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that pretty much means that I'm working while the baby was napping, which in the beginning was more than it is now. Mm, That's why we need the sitter (laughs) more now than we did before. Um, or like when we have the sitter or in the mornings, like early mornings when I wake up or after she goes to bed, um, or, you know, when Diego can take her after work and I get a few hours done, but like it is still like, I don't, I hadn't thought it was possible. Yeah. Um, or I hadn't found it possible to do more than one movie at a time. And the other thing that's kind of not possible, which is the annoying part of 
the movie industry is like, I can't go to networking things all the time or like be having drinks with people twice a week or, you know, like all this stuff. Um, because I have a kid. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, I guess I could, I think people do maybe like part of it, you know, that's why it's a confusion and an entanglement because it's like, people do this. So is it my, like, do I have a problem that I feel guilty? Like, to leave leaving her, her yeah. with Diego like several nights a week but then yeah. I'm like mm, I don't know like is that the right thing to do like I wouldn't like it if the shoe was reversed you know yeah, yeah. um so yeah so then I started I've just been thinking about it a lot um as oh well yeah then I got pregnant again <laughs> yes and I'm having, You're another having a baby. second baby yes exactly I'm having another baby in December um which on one hand has like totally lit a fire under me and and kind of made me be like I am getting something done this year I do not care what mm. um, <laughs> you don't think having because... a baby is actually you're creating a baby inside of you you don't think that that's doing something <laughs> yes, I mean come on <laughs> but I wanted to get something done that uh that the the industry, I guess, would recognize. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it sounds shallow or something. No, no, that's not how I meant it. Um, no, no, I know. <laughs> but it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like on the one hand, it, it totally lit a fire under me, which actually like in feeling that way and like um, with the pregnancy and, and various other things, like stepping a little bit back from the project that I had been working on for three years. Um, then I like wrote a bunch of people and I was like, Hey, like I am around, I'm available this summer and fall. Like if you need any help. And I did end up joining a project, Mm -hmm. um, that's shooting now and hopefully maybe joining a few others this fall. So I'm, I'm actually like in the past like week and a half seeing like, Oh, maybe it is possible to do more than one movie at a time. (laughs) Um, but I think the key there is that I can't be like, I'm not the lead producer, you know, like on this one that I just joined, I'm an executive producer. Um, if there's something else coming up this fall, maybe I'll be like a co-producer or something like that. But I think as the lead producer is the one that like really kind of germinates the idea and gets the financing and hires everyone else. Like, I do think it's really hard to do that with more than one at a time, mm. unless you have, you know, a real, if, unless you have like normal full time yeah. work, mm. um, which is not my reality. So basically that is my confusion is like, is this, is this a viable career path? And is the like social networking part of it such an important part that like, is it even worthwhile pursuing this if I know that I can't pursue that element Mm. of it? Um, 
but then also thinking like, well, any alternative at this point, mm-hmm. which I guess I kind of, I kind of like came to a conclusion about it only because I was like, well, maybe I should just get a day job again and like make money. Um, and you know, not worry about all this stuff. <laughs> um, but then I was, I realized, you know, I got to spend two beautiful years with Aurora and now she's starting school, which is great. I think two is like the perfect time because by the time she turned two, I was like, okay, I am ready for you to go to school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, I got to spend two beautiful years with her and I wouldn't want to then have another kid and be like, okay, cool. Um, you could just go to daycare at four months and I'll see you when you're 18 or something. Um, you know, I would want, I would want to have that experience with the next one also. So that kind of puts a day job out of the possibility, um, as of now. So I guess I just need to figure out how to make the producing thing work. Yeah. Work Um, around your schedule. Yeah. 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 But I'm still, the social networking part is the part that still, uh, still gets me. I don't know how to get around that. (laughs) Well, I, yeah, Mm, actually, it's really interesting that you talk about networking because one of the reasons I joined a theater school was because I thought it would put me in a network of people that I could meet and uh, it would make it easier to find acting jobs or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. However, that did not happen at all. And the only reason that didn't happen is because I'm not proactive in that sense. And I, mm. I'm i super shy, so I don't actually go to networking things. I don't really like to yeah. meet people. <laughs> yeah, that's my problem, too. Yeah. That's exactly my problem. Yeah. And so that was also one of the reasons where I was like, okay, well, maybe I should just take a year off school for now. Because the the one thing that I need most is to learn how to be proactive. And the school isn't going to teach me that. The only person that can teach me that is myself. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, I struggle with that a lot. I really don't like networking. I really don't. I, re- yeah. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> so I, um, and it's a big part of the industry for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I went to, a couple of years ago, I went to this astrologer. Ooh! It was funny. Um, I didn't know. And yeah, yeah, there's like a funny kind of lark thing. <laughs> and one of the things that we talked about, and I can't even remember why we talked about it. I have to, have to go back through the notes, but this did stick with me. We talked about the networking part. Mm. Um, and we were talking about like, I think my career and this was, I think I was pregnant, but I hadn't even had the baby yet. But I think, um, I was already struggling with the networking. So I can't fully even blame the baby with, mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what he, he said that I don't I don't like to be in like kind of superficial relationships mm-hmm. um, and that that's fine because most people don't like to be 
-hmm. and superficial relationships. And that what I should do is kind of use that to my advantage, but then not be scared to like turn a casual kind of business thing into something a little deeper. Mm. Um, and, and that people would respond well to like more intimacy if, if I was forthcoming with it also. Right. And I was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. Um, so I guess like one, one of the things that I have been doing, which I do find works is like, rather than doing like going to networking events or whatever, like just scheduling kind of one-on-one things, Mm -hmm. but then also like going beyond just the typical like Pratter, you know, like I remember the first time I tested this, it was with this guy that, uh, I'd met through this granting organization that gave, gave me a grant and they introduced me to this guy and they, you know, this was someone that like the, I think the goal at the time was like, Oh, can you help me find financing mm-hmm. for my movie? Um, so, you know, I think typically it would be like kind of, Oh, what movies do you like? What are you working on? Like, how does your work feed into the wider um, granting organization? Or, you know, like just stuff that is like directly about um, movies or Mm -hmm. work or something. Like, I think typically like that's what it would be. Um, But I was like, okay, let's try to make this real. And I remember, I think it was like totally inappropriate, actually. Um, I think I, I had said I was pregnant. I was pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like a single man. Um, and he was like, oh, cool. Like, I love kids or something. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm single or whatever. And I can't remember what I said, but it was like a weirdly like inappropriate way of basically being like well you could have kids just by yourself right and it was like so it was so weird that that comment he actually told me this whole story about how he raised his niece basically by himself um and how he loved her so much and how he missed her and like he's you know he's probably in his late 40s or something And how he was at the time, he like almost adopted these kids. He had like literally like over the past month, like almost adopted these kids who, who needed adopting. But then like at the last minute, their mom decided not to give them up or something, but it was like a very personal story. Yeah. Um, that if I had just left it at the superficial, like, Oh, one day you'll have kids or something. Um, I wouldn't have gotten from him, but then like we connected on this deeper level mm-hmm. and I feel like, you know, we became close, yeah. but, you know, like close, close as, as close as one can be. Like, you know, we're not, we don't live in the same city. We don't like talk every day or something, but like I now consider him someone that I go to like, not for, oh, can you help me get money? But that I would actually go to, to like 
talk about real things to be like, Hey, these are like the questions that I'm struggling with in my life. And, um, so that was kind of cool. And I like try to do that as much as I can Mm -hmm. now in terms of like, okay, I know I need to like keep in touch with these people, but let's make it real. Um, but then it's also like really hard. Cause if you have like 60 people you need to keep in regular contact with and you want to see them all one-on-one, then that's kind of a full-time job as well. Yeah. How do you find time to, okay. Cause, cause you're a mom with a second one on the way you have a job. I mean, you have a job, you're a producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you have a husband um, and you have yourself. How do you find time in a day to do everything? Like, how do you set, I guess, uh, maybe boundaries for yourself? Um, how do you take care? Um, I guess, actually, my real question, <laughs> my real question is, is how do you take care of yourself? Not your husband, mm-hmm. not your kids. How do you take care of yourself? Do you take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Do you- <laughs> That's That's a good question. (laughs) Um, I don't think I do as much as I should. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have always been a bit of a workaholic, Mm. as you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I pretty much default to, okay, it's baby or it's work. Right. And then what little left is relationship time but even that like you know I could be doing much better um uh but not you know just like I feel like I could be giving more attention to that as well than like you know let's sit and watch tv or something because I'm so exhausted from all the baby and all the work um so yeah so I do you know even like I have to fight now that I'm pregnant the pregnancy has kind of forced me to take care of myself more because I was feeling so sick in the mm. beginning. Um, and also, you know, when you're pregnant, it is technically myself, but I'm also like taking care of this other thing <laughs> that's inside me. Yeah. Um, but it is like more important to be healthy. Yeah. So, but it's funny because now that I'm pregnant, I'm often like, oh, okay, I have this like, hour that I'm supposed to be resting and taking care of myself can I get a little bit more work in and I need to just be like no this is when you're supposed to do yoga right so go do yoga do that that's this is for you that's your time um but yeah it takes a lot of like really conscious thought to do that for sure yeah, because uh, yeah, because you work for yourself in a sense, right? You're you don't have like a boss technically, right? Yeah. So you have to build in your own time. Yeah. Is it because you feel is is it is it guilt that is like, uh, or is it just like, oh, I could be doing something better with this time instead of yoga? I could be producing a second movie or whatever. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that, like, competitive thing again where I'm like, I got to keep doing this. I got to keep doing this. And, like, you know, obviously, like, I compare myself with other producers who came up 
around, you know, who like were assistants when I was an assistant and then who got promoted when I got promoted and like who we have similar life trajectories, except I have a baby and they don't. And, you know, in most cases I'm a woman and they're not. And I see, you know, they have produced like 20 movies and I've Mm. produced one. Um, so there is an element of like, I'm behind, I got to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is also, um, that I have always just like really defined myself by my work. Um, and I should, um, I'm really excited actually about one of the things I'm excited about Aurora starting school is now I'm going to have a lot more time. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I can do therapy again and I can work through these things. <laughs> and I feel like that's taking care of myself in a way too, is like, okay, let's get to a good balance. Mm-hmm. Like, let's try to live a more balanced life. Um, but on the other hand, I do, I sleep a lot um, for a mom, <laughs> for sure. Like I, well, if I'm not sleeping because I have insomnia or something, maybe, but I mean, I'm in bed for a good seven hours a night, at least, if not eight. That sounds great. That sounds like normal though. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what like a normal adult should do, but most people don't, I don't think. Um, But I really (laughs) prioritize my sleep for sure. So that's taking care of myself. Yeah. That's really good. Rest is very important. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think uh, living in New York has also something to do with that ambitious drive and that competitiveness? Do you think if you lived like in the countryside, (laughs) it would be different? Probably. But I think if I lived in the countryside, I just couldn't, I mean, I wouldn't have as much work in general. Right. right? Like people... uh... I don't know. Yeah. Do you love living in New York City? I do. You would never want to move. Um, I, I do have a fantasy of like having a little farmhouse in the Hudson Valley kind of thing, <laughs> which is around here. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it would be to live like full time or just to have like for the weekends. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What is it about the city that you love? Um, and especially now that you're a mom as well. Yeah. Well, I think now there's so many things I've never appreciated before. Like public libraries are amazing. Mm. (laughs) Um, I mean, they like, they have all these classes for kids that are free And, like, they do sing-alongs and read-alouds and, like, all these things I never knew. And, like, all the parks. Um, But, I mean, I've I've always said I need to live within walking distance to at least one movie theater. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, right now I live within walking distance to four movie theaters, (laughs) and that's pretty good. Um. But, you know, then I think if we're speaking honestly, like, how often do I really go to the movies anymore? How often do I really go? I mean, God, I don't even know, like, 
to a bar at night. That's like never. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How often do I go to a museum? You know, like not that often. So would it be that different to live somewhere out of the city? If it's really like, oh, we'll go in on the weekends to go to the museum or something. Yeah, I don't know. But what I really feel good about in New York, which is so silly, Mm -hmm. um, but it makes me feel very safe, (laughs) is that no matter what, at three in the morning, there is a Dwayne Reed or a CVS or a Walgreens drugstore open. And if I need something at three in the morning, there's one at least, you know, within the two block radius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very comforting to me. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, living in Amsterdam, it's a city, but everything closes down at like 12 o'clock at midnight, you know. So I, I get mm-hmm. that. I get that. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes you just I've need something at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think once I really don't think I've had to take advantage of that, but it does kind of make me feel much better yeah. <laughs> knowing it's an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing it's an option. Yeah, I get it. talk to you about is um something i have no experience with which is motherhood and uh i really really want to be a mom and i can't wait to have kids hopefully um but uh i have this weird not weird uh just this idea of what happens when uh you become pregnant as a woman what happens um uh, when you find out, like when you have a baby, in my head, mm-hmm. suddenly I feel like everything will fall into place. Like suddenly I'll understand what everything's about in my life. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know, I've I've spoken to other women who have had kids, and they they never talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of them are just like, oh, it's the worst time of my life. <laughs> but um, uh, so I, I'd like to talk to you about your experience. Um, mm-hmm. what it was like to be pregnant with your child, um, what, the, what that does femininity and to, or, yeah, to, like, to, to being a woman. Because um, basically, I guess for me, like right now, I still feel like a, a girl. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I feel like, oh, when... When I'm pregnant, then suddenly I've, I'm a woman. It's like, oh, then mm-hmm. suddenly I'm an adult. Because mm-hmm. then I have to take care of someone else, you know? Yeah. Um, do you, did you experience anything like that? or? Uh, I don't think it's an either or for me. You know, like, I still definitely feel very much like a kid. Okay. In a lot of ways. Um. You know, I don't feel like I am, you know, especially in relation to, like, my parents and my in-laws, like, they're all pretty involved in our lives. So, like, I definitely still feel like we're the younger generation, you know, like, we're not the ones running the show (laughs) yet. Um, But then, yeah, like you say, suddenly for the first time in my life, 
there is a creature whose survival depends entirely on you. And then that is like a massive responsibility that you're like, oh shit. Like, yeah, now, now I have to take care of you. <laughs> like, you're not going to eat unless I feed you. Like, I can't, I can't just forget to feed you. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, much easier when they're nursing because it's like, oh, it's right there. And they will actually, they're, they're not going to let you forget um, <laughs> when they're babies. But like at Aurora's current age, she, she's so excited. She's like playing around. Like I could theoretically forget to feed her one she or two say. meals and she wouldn't notice and she wouldn't like, she would just be playing. Right. <laughs> that would be a problem. Um, <laughs> hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't like I don't know. I wouldn't say there was like a magical change. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like suddenly everything fell into place and and I think a lot of questions came up more more than answers, it's just more questions. Um because I do think when you become a mother that that is an identity shift, mm. um, like maybe not for you, but for the world, mm -hmm. like the world suddenly sees you as a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're like, but I'm still a person, mm -hmm. but then it's like, no, but you're actually, and it, ha it starts when you're pregnant even because you go to like all these doctor's appointments that like are not, you know, they're about this thing inside you. Yeah. Um, but it's like about you, but not really. It's like, oh, are you gaining enough weight for this thing? Yeah. Um, so like already you're kind of like a secondary vessel yeah. in a way. And that is kind of how I think society does end up treating moms mm. um, or at least the society I live in, which is like kind of a cutthroat, ambitious New York world. And then I do think there is an element of like, Oh, you're a mom. You're going to like, you're slowed down. Mm. Um, which I think is like, you know, feeds into a lot of the work stuff that we were talking about yep. too, is like the identity of, of motherhood versus work. And like, then what is Ideally, I think as as a human, not even as a woman, but as a human, you are more than your job or your child status yeah. or your yeah. relationship status. Um, but I do think motherhood kind of complicates that a lot because, um, yeah, I think it, it it limits the way people view you. And, and then because it is so physically demanding. Mm at least, you know, especially in the, in the first part, if you're nursing, mm -hmm. um, you, you can't really be away for too long. Um, so, but you know, I also feel like lots of different women make <laughs> different choices and, and ha maybe don't struggle <laughs> with these questions <laughs> as much. Like, I, I feel like women I know who like have, switched to formula pretty early or pumped or, you know, um, like gone back to work straight away, like at a normal kind of day job mm -hmm. thing are like, have maybe a little bit of an easier time with these questions. The cool thing though, I will say, um, 
is like around when you're like super pregnant and like <laughs> super pregnant yeah yeah like when you're like <clears throat> eight and nine months pregnant and it's like oh there's like an actual baby inside you like you feel every movement you can see it through your stomach like <laughs> there is a child there then you feel like the most powerful person who has ever existed because mm. then you're like at least for me I was like I make life <laughs> I'm doing this I'm magical <laughs> And yeah, like that's a very cool, powerful feeling mm. um, of being able to to do that yeah. and, and giving birth also yeah. is like kind of a cool power trip. Yeah, because I read somewhere that some women get like super creative when they're pregnant because the like being pregnant, you're already creating something inside of your body that like it just mm. releases these like extra creative i don't know things into your head that you're like oh my god i'm a mm -hmm. goddess creating things <laughs> do you feel um because you said like that society kind of imposes on you this identity shift do you yourself feel that as well about yourself? Like that you've kind of lost your own sense of identity uh, as Marcia, human being? Um, um, or no? I think I did in the early months when it was like such a huge shift mm. uh, from, you know, being like, I'm an adult, the master of my command, <laughs> to being like, I like there were days when I was like, you know, sitting on the couch for five hours nursing, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. being like, I can't do anything. Um, but if the, the early months are just like really hard. It's just a really hard thing in the same way that labor is really hard. Mm. Um, but it's kind of unfair to say that that was like a permanent shift. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only the only shift that that I think is is real and I actually kind of take comfort in it is that in her eyes mm -hmm. I'm just mama mm -hmm. um and that's how it should be you know mm -hmm. like that's how I viewed my parents until I was you know probably a teenager until my mom was <laughs> like you realize I have my own life outside of you <laughs> Which maybe I was like nine or something and I was like what how dare you um, but you know that, that so that is how it should be and I like that like that is a comforting thing for me because I know that no matter what else I might think is going wrong or like no matter what other like kind of disappointments I might have in how I view myself she's just viewing me as mama and if I can just be there for her mm as mama then that's that's good that's yeah. like that's all i need yeah that's sweet and then i guess you have to look forward to the moment when she goes wait a minute you're not my entire life <laughs> right like you're not defined by being just my mom yeah exactly <laughs> uh do you yeah. hope that she becomes a daughter the way you were a daughter <laughs> oh god uh in 
in what way? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, basically, I guess. Um, are you afraid of any of the shit that you pull that she might pull? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the shit that we pull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I hope she won't smoke cigarettes. Ugh. I bet her generation won't. Yeah, I think so, too. I think uh, I think we're moving away from that as a society, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Um, but you know, I hope she won't vape vapors or whatever it is that they'll be doing. <laughs> um, but I think actually, like, I was pretty tame mm-hmm. on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, there were dumb things. Yeah, like don't walk. Don't walk home alone at night at three yeah. in the morning. That's stupid. Especially in Rio. Yeah. In New York, it's like a little better, but also probably not when yeah. you're 15. <laughs> Definitely not in Rio. No. The stuff that scares me is all the new stuff. I mean, like, online bullying mm-hmm. and, like, all the stuff that, like, we didn't have to deal with. Like, seeing all your embarrassing shit online. Yeah just documented for the world and like pro Anna websites, like Mm. all these things that scares me much more than like drinking with your friends. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with, um, this, this might seem like it's coming from a completely like U-turn or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but how do you deal with confidence? Because I, let me explain why I asked this question. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a guy once tell me that the only way, uh, the only healthy way for me to become a mother <laughs> is uh, if I dealt with all of my shit first, right? So that I wouldn't uh, put that shit on my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would mean like my self-esteem issues, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Who's this guy? <laughs> He's <First> no <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> um, yeah, he was also someone that first said to me, I don't want to have kids. And then later broke up with me because he realized he didn't want to have kids with me. Oh. Yeah. So that was interesting. But actually, it was a good thing that we broke up because I didn't want to have kids with him either. So bye. <laughs> yes. He does not sound like a great partner. No. Um, yeah. So the reason I asked that is because you mentioned like pro-Anna websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just triggered something in my head of being like, oh, body image. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm a mom and I don't know how to have a healthy relationship with my own body image, is that something that I'm going to be teaching my daughter as well or my kids? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me, everything stems back to, OK, you have to be confident and accepting of yourself as a human being. Uh, then you don't necessarily have these unhealthy um things that you could be passing on to your kids Mm -hmm. and is that something is that something that you recognize for yourself uh or is that something that you've ever thought about in a sense of being like oh now i have to be like this exemplarily role model for my kids Mm -hmm. and how do you find Uh, yeah how do you find to do that 
without well, being a freak. I don't think I have all my shit figured out. So I think I think that guy is being weird. Um, <laughs> like I don't think any no moms have their shit figured out. You know, mm-hmm. like I think um, I think body image is like a pretty straightforward one, though, if you're aware of like what you're trying not to pass down. Like if you're aware enough to know like, okay, I have body image issues or, or not even I have body image issues, but like society has body image issues, then you can like take steps. Like I'm pretty conscious about like what I say Mm -hmm. about bodies in front of Aurora. And I've, I've like scolded my mom and my mother-in-law about like when they mention dieting in front of her or when they say like when they say disparaging things about their own bodies in front of her I like scold them about it and I'm like no um a friend of mine actually told me she did this with her own mom and and I thought her logic was very wise because she was like in her eyes like we are all the most beautiful people that she knows so if she hears that we think we're not then she's gonna start being that's when the criticism the self-criticism begins and like the self-doubt you know yeah um so yeah like that's one of those things where like I think it's you just have to be like kind of um intense about it in a way hyper aware yeah yeah, because I think it comes from all angles even with the best intentions like even with everyone in your family and everyone around her having the best intentions it will happen Mm -hmm. um and it does like it's crazy Mm -hmm. but like beauty is I don't know what she thinks beauty is so it could be something totally innocuous Mm -hmm. But she, you know, the word beauty and beautiful is powerful mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, she has this thing, which is cute, but also weird, <laughs> where she says, Aurora has beautiful toes and beautiful hands. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's great. But I always then say, and they're strong toes and strong hands. And that's more important. Mm. Um, and then I try to explain them like, cause they're strong, then you can jump with them and run and climb and like tell her all the things that like the fact that they're strong help her do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you know, she's two. I have yeah. no idea how much she's understanding or not, but now sometimes she does. She's finally started saying Aurora has strong toes and strong hands, mm. or sometimes she'll still say Aurora has beautiful hands and beautiful toes. And then I ask her, but what's more important? And then she says that they're strong. Mm. Um, but you know, that's like people probably overhear me on the street and they're like, Oh God, look at this feminist. <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> oh no. I think it's great. You're empowering her. It's amazing. But, well, I think it's necessary because like this, yeah, like it, it comes from everywhere. And like she has a book of Sleeping Beauty, because you know, Princess Aurora. Mm-hmm. And then now she says she wants yellow hair like Princess Aurora. And I'm like, no, Aww. don't want yellow hair. Like it's begun. It begins so early. It's crazy. Um. But, you know, I think in terms of, like, other 
kind of confidence and self-esteem issues, it's actually like a lot harder to know what you're passing down because that's the stuff that's like, maybe you're not so aware of, um, you know, yeah. Like how much, how much of my weird, I define myself by my work comes from my mom defining herself by her work. Mm. I don't know. True. True. And then how much of that is going to go to her? Like yeah. she, she sees, like she says, like mama has to work now. Like she knows that I work a lot also. Um, mm. But then is it a good thing? also for her to see and what and was it a good thing for me to see yeah yeah I don't know I think uh I I think the best we can do is like try to give them more chances than we had or something (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. like I you know in 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 terms of like emotional self-expression like I try to, which is really hard. It's something I've been struggling with is like not like if she's crying or if she's upset, like just allowing that, like not trying to make it better mm-hmm. because I don't want her to think that she can't express negative emotions. Mm-hmm. So, but that's like, that's a hard thing to do. Because yeah. you want to make it better, not because you don't think it's right for them to express negative emotions, but just because you want to make it better for yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you, yeah, it's all these things you have to like constantly be thinking about. Mm. And then you sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you sound like a crazy person. I think I think it sounds awesome. I think that's an awesome thing that you're doing for her. Talking about confidence, I've always thought you were a very confident person ever since I knew you in high school. I used to look up to you because I was like, oh my God, Marcy is so cool. How can I be cool like that? Why is she so cool? How come she's so much cooler than me? How is this possible? Um, and you were, yeah, you you were just, to me, you were a super confident person. And always has, ha, have been, has been, have been. Has been. Uh, almost always, oh gosh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and always have been. Do you, do you recognize yourself in that? Or are you like, what are you talking about? Uh, well, I have pages and pages in my high school diaries about how cool you were <laughs> and how I wish I was cool like you. So, oh man, it's... <laughs> literal pages and pages and pages and pages, <laughs> and like trying to like listen to the same music you listen to, and being like, she's so much prettier than I am. And you had your cool pink hair. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, you know what's nice? I think we just really loved each other. And teenage girls turn that, which is a nice, innocent feeling, mm. into a stupid, she's cooler than me <laughs> thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, I think that we just admired each other. And teenage hormones turn that into, like, insecurity. Insecurity. Oh, my gosh. I think you're totally right. I never thought of it that way. But I think you're right. Yeah, because it was admiration. and But instead of just uh, accepting it as admiration, it turned into, like, oh, it means I'm not good enough. And Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. It's like mind blown right now. It's like, but because that also works in my adult life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know that I still have girls or, or women around me now that I'm like, I admire. And then, yeah, it also turns into insecurity and me going like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. Why am I not more like her? Mm -hmm. uh, when really it's just, not just, just accept the fact that it's an admiration of this amazing person in your life. Ooh, Marcia. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> that's good it's really good it's a good point about the adult ones though I need to re-examine all the people that make me feel insecure <laughs> in my adult life through that lens it will be easier mm. um, but to, to answer your question though I think I was not confident at all in high school mm. um, and probably through most of college also not but I think I was very good at faking it mm. um, and I don't think I was consciously trying to fake it I think it was like a survival strategy because I had moved around so much that mm. it was like I had to seem comfortable in yeah. order to fit in kind yeah. of thing. Because um, I was definitely not going around be in my head being like, okay, act confident. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I ha you're not the first person to tell me that I seemed really <laughs> confident when in my head I was so not confident. <laughs> um, but now I think I am. Okay. Actually, aside and from all the work. All, all the work stuff <laughs> that continues to plague me. Um, how does that, how do you... know that you feel confident? Is it... I guess because for me, the reason I know that I don't feel confident is because I'm constantly second-guessing myself and not trusting my own voice or whatever, right? <clears throat> mm -hmm. um and so i yeah i say that that is what makes me not confident mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe i'm answering your my question already <laughs> um is it just a feeling no, you're like i'm confident because I, <laughs> I think i i second get my guess myself too mm -hmm. but i think it's for me, I guess confidence isn't so much about like dis like singular decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I guess now I just feel confident because I'm like, I know, I know who I am, mm -hmm. and I'm like pretty okay with that. Mm. How did you figure out who you are? 
that, I don't know. That's like a multi-year thing. I feel like one day, I think one day I woke up and I was like, huh, I know who I am now. Cool. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, this is super cheesy and I've said it before, but I, you know, I think, and I'm not saying it to be like, I have the best relationship ever. <laughs> um, because, you know, that's not the case. But, like, I, I do think that having, having a partner that, like, allows you to grow and encourages you to mm. grow and, and that also, like, sees you. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, we've been together for a long time. Like eleven years. Yeah. So Holy moly. in the same way. Yeah. Marcia, that's but crazy. Eleven years. That's insane. I think I, know. I think my parents were together for thirteen before they <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to bring that up, but it just made me realize how long you've been together. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. Wow. It's a long time. I mean, especially considering that like, you know, we're only barely adults. So, yeah, like, for most of my adult life, I've been with him. And I think in a lot of cases, relationships that start when you're so young, um, you don't, like, if you don't let each other grow, then that's when, you know, like, that's the issue with relationships, like, being in relationships that you started when you were really young. But I think we're really lucky and I think that is actually like his parents brought him up in this way of like embrace failure, always grow mm-hmm. kind of mentality, like, you know, Silicon Valley mentality <laughs> where and like he and then he brought that to me mm-hmm. is like we like to have that um, to have that to know that I'm that like I am in this relationship and somebody loves me who like really also really knows me yeah. in the same way that I know me is very free. Yeah. But it's like that with friendships too. Like sometimes, um, you know, like you'll say something to me or like Luis, who's mm-hmm. another old high school friend mm-hmm. of ours will say something to me. Yeah. That's like a very minor silly thing, but that's like, oh wow, like you truly know me. That's mm. cool. Mm. And it's yeah, like it's nice to be able to like recognize that. I I find that a lot of times in my relationship, the stuff that Diego says to me that I should do that make me react in the most negative ways mm-hmm. that I'm like, Oh my God, absolutely not. That's crazy. Never. You're so wrong. That's. And like, I have a panic attack about it almost like that's the stuff that I really need to be doing. Mm. Um, and it's always stuff like that where it's like, you should take this big risk that you want to take. And I'm like, Oh my God, no way. <laughs> That's crazy talk. Definitely not. (laughs) It's really annoying.
yeah I'm how do you good. feel you feel good yeah this was fun yay i'm so excited that you did this me too i only wish that we had been across from each other I know. sipping tea or wine mm, yeah i mean not at night <laughs> Yeah, mine would have been acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for inviting me. Welcome, of course. Yeah. I still I'm admire very happy you. for your new venture into the podcast world. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, no, but seriously, like it I think um, you know, so far, it seems like what's been really interesting is you invite these women who you know, and you talk about similar issues, mm-hmm. like confidence and how do you know yeah. what you're doing in your life, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. um, but the cool thing is it seems like we're all kind of in the same boat, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that that's actually the best part is to be like, is to see that you get a little glimpse inside the head of people that you think are thinking so differently, but really, yeah, they're not. was my conversation with Marcia and it was so nice to talk to her again I mean we don't talk as often as we should I feel um and it was so nice because I hadn't heard some of these stories before so it was really nice to also hear um how she ended up in the producing industry and for example like the astrology thing I never knew about so it was really nice to um to hear some of these stories new as well for me um, and what I really like about Marcia is, like Diego said, with her first job, you know, instead of giving the advice, why don't you do it yourself? And I think, you know, she dared to take that leap. She's like, you know what? You're right. I will just do it myself. And that, I think that's really awesome. I think recognizing or having someone else help you recognize the fact that hey you actually have the skills to do something uh why don't you do it don't be afraid i think that's really powerful and um yeah and i love what she's doing with her daughter how she's raising her and reminding her that you know there's more than just beautiful hands or beautiful toes they're also strong because they can hold things or they can throw things and um, lift things and I think that's really beautiful um, and refreshing to hear so yeah I'm really proud of her and the way that she's raising her kids and how she has how she's working it out on how to be a mom and how to be a working mom and how to be a working wife and how to just do it all because it's, it's a lot of work, but she's doing it. So I think that's really amazing. Mm. Yeah, so thanks. Thank you, Marcia, for being on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And um, I thank you, listener, for 
listening to this episode and I hope that you learned something or heard something maybe new that you hadn't thought of. There was just some spark of inspiration in some, any, any little way. Um, that's what I hope for anytime I make a, make a, make an episode. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.